I just want to get right into his word for you today. And, and I just, the Lord's been speaking something to us for some time now, uh, for months actually, right? We're still in this thing. And um, there is, a, you know, the possibility of some other turns and twists and turns on this path we're on, right? And there are, there are possibilities that, you know, it could get worse before it gets better. Those things are possible. We need to be aware of that. And um, we just need to look to the Lord. We were just saying even before the service started, we need to look to the Lord. I found myself just last Tuesday saying something. Uh, it dropped in my heart, and then I said it here on Tuesday to a couple people. And I said it before the service. I'm going to say it again, and it will be on the podcast. That the pilgrims, when they left England, right, and they came here to the United States of America, which wasn't the United States of America yet, but they just came in search of freedom. Their identity was not in England, right? It was not in the king. It was not in their heritage. It was not in their homeland. Their identity was in Christ. We need to remember that our identity is in Christ. We need to remember that only, you know, only a short 400 years ago, uh, this land looked very, very different. Very, very different. Just 400 years ago, and, and only 200 years ago, right? 200 and change years ago that we or even became the United States of America. We need to look beyond America right now. We need to look beyond the United States. And I said last Sunday that we need to be praying for our president. We need to pray for this man that God put in power. It doesn't matter... Who elected him? Who didn't elect him? Uh, the Bible says that God raises up kings and tears down kings, right? It's God's doing. Whether we like it or not, we don't understand it, but uh, God even used um, corrupt Pharaoh for his purpose. So we certainly need to be praying for this president, and we need to be praying for this nation. But I really feel compelled this week to be praying beyond a nationality, and beyond a culture, and praying for the kingdom of God, praying that the kingdom of God come. And uh, what's interesting is, is that we know history tells us that half of the pilgrims didn't make it. Half of them did not make it. They were determined to find freedom, and, and God put this thing in their heart, but half of them didn't make it, but they sought the freedom that God put inside them. And it was not a nationality. It was not to form a new country. It was just to be obedient to what God put in their hearts, which is to go. Go. They couldn't even imagine what it would be because it was still another 200 or 176 years or 150 years, whatever it was, right? Exactly. Uh, that it would even become something. And, and if they looked ahead to today, they wouldn't even imagine what we've become today. Actually, they'd be turning over in their graves, as we say, if they could see that half of them died to suddenly now birth a place where we don't even respect or honor what it really took to get us here anyway. And I feel like the Lord's putting in our hearts that we need to set our eyes on Jesus. I know that's so simple. That's the simplicity of the gospel. 
but we need to turn our eyes back to Jesus and just set our eyes on him. We need to set our eyes on Jesus. Because to be honest, if not now, and I pray it's not now, I do pray. I have been praying the Lord's will be done. I've been praying for protection. I've been praying for his blessing. I've been praying to watch over the families in this church. I've been praying for an end of this thing. Just this morning, I went outside to begin to just pray again for an end to this chaos, an end to the confusion, an end to the rioting, and, and I prayed it. But at the same time, the word tells me that one day the borders of the nations are going to change. One day the borders are going to suddenly, uh, in one way, shape, or form, look very different. We're going to be different kingdoms. There's going to be different kings and whatever, and there's going to be a new thing. And it's part of the plan and purpose of God, ultimately, for Christ to return again and to end this earthly existence and create a heavenly existence. Amen. And we must be aware of that. We must be aware so that, and I feel like a broken record sometimes when I'm preaching, but I'm preaching to myself too. Let me just say that. I'm not, I don't feel like a broken record, like it's burdensome to say the same things over again. I'm, I have to hear them from the Lord the same way that I'm saying them here today. To remember, to remember, remember, remember that we're not of this earth, that we are not citizens of the United States, that we're, and we are temporary citizens. I am a citizen, and there are many Christians who um, will still, in present tense and in future tense, there are Christians on battlefields, even present tense, that will shed human blood for this country. And God has put that in their heart, and we need to honor those men and women that do that. But simultaneously, that is not our blood. We are not blood. We're not flesh and blood anymore. Our blood is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the DNA that is within us. We have a new name. Everybody say, I have a new name. I have a new heritage. I have a new body waiting for me. Many of you are thankful for that. We have been given a temporary ambassadorship here on the earth and here in the United States. And that doesn't mean that this nation doesn't matter. In fact, it actually means it matters a lot because God thought that you were capable of representing him in this land and had you birthed in this time and in this place. It's actually an immense responsibility. It's not to put aside and say, this nation doesn't matter and our president doesn't matter because it's just Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to set our eyes on Jesus so that we can do the job he's given us to do, which is to be a temporary citizen on the earth and in this land and be an American. You can only do that. We can only stand in this nation and stand for this nation and truly pray for the Lord's will to be done in this nation if we are first citizens of heaven and citizens of Christ. If we don't truly get that, it'll be subtle, and the devil will let it be subtle, but your existence here can be skewed, can be off. It can be slight, but it can easily be off, and we can think that as the seasons change in this nation, that God is suddenly schizophrenic or has abandoned us when, in fact, 
the nations don't matter long term, but we are citizens of heaven. And it's time that we realize that the Lord is returning again. Like a broken record that he tells me, you can live on this earth. He said, occupy till I come. You know what that means? That means I want you to be a good citizen of earth. I want you to be love. I want you to be light. I want you to love your family. I want you to be an example. I want you to be a good example at work. I want you to be a good example while you're driving. I want you to be giving. I want you to be caring. But ultimately, those are just attributes that are coming out into this existence and into this earth of what has happened inside you spiritually, which is eternal in heaven. He's not telling us that those things don't matter, but those things are just, you can't help it. Jesus didn't have to try to be Jesus. I've said that before. Jesus didn't have to try to be love. He was Jesus. That's who he was. His identity was set. And the devil tried to challenge his identity, and he had no ground because Jesus knew who he was in heaven. And because of that, then he could be on the earth, and the earth couldn't touch him. Listen, I'm telling you, I've been saying this for these last months, but really, if I rewound and went through old podcasts, I've been saying this for years. And I'm not the only one. Many, many men and women have said for years that things will change. Times will come. Good times come and bad times come. That is just the existence on this earth, besides the fact that we're getting closer to the end. Even if we weren't at the end, just go through history. There were many plagues. There were many pandemics. There were ones way worse than this. There were many wars. There was many, I mean, we have, we have, uh, we have fossil records and we have, uh, you know, records in the earth. There's a crater in the U.S. and there's a crater in Russia that's like the size of, uh, of, of uh, football fields. I mean, those are just signs that at some point things have happened to this earth. We must be aware of that so that we're not shaken when the earth shakes. Because this earth will shake. This is a temporary existence. This is not God's perfect earth. It could have been, and one day it will be. Say, one day it will be, but this is temporary. Nobody likes to say that. Hear that? Everybody's like, one day it will be, but it's temporary. Because we're so ingrained here, it's hard to grasp it. It's so hard to say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you, but a moment later, someone pointed a gun at your head, you know, like they did, remember? Many of the persecutions, okay, let's see it. Do you really believe? It's much harder to say yes when that thing's pointed at our heads, isn't it? And that's just because we, we don't even realize, but we cleave to this earth unintentionally. It's in our subconscious, right? Um, uh, even your DNA, all animals, that, not that you're an animal, but just God's creation fights to live. Everything that's alive is fighting to live, right? Even trees in the forest are really fighting against other trees to live. They're fighting for that canopy and, and, and you know, evolution and all that craziness. They call that survival of the fittest. But it's, it's this DNA nature of this earth that wants to live and does not want to die. And we need to realize that you have already died if you are in Christ. I know that's so hard for our human mind to get, but it will be a much 
better existence on this earth if we realize that we really can't be killed because we're already dead, because we're in Christ. We need to set our eyes back on Jesus. And I want us just to look for a few minutes. I want to start. I have a couple of things I want to say just for the next few minutes. But I want to look at Joel chapter 2 again. And we looked at that recently. And then we, Jeannie was talking about it again on Tuesday. And it says in verse 1, sound the trumpet in the United States of America. Joel chapter 2 verse 1 says, sound the trumpet in the world. Sound the trumpet. Raise an alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble in fear because the day of the Lord is upon us. Sound an alarm because the day of the Lord is upon us. The Lord is returning soon. Listen, for all the scoffers that say, I've been hearing that, you are just fulfilling what prophecy said. That when they say, I've heard that before, then thank you, Lord, because now that means we're nearer than we were before. That's one of the signs of the times that they will say, I've heard that my whole life. I've heard it my whole life. 20 years, 20 years. I don't know if we go back through history, if it's always been 20 years. But you know what? Paul thought that Jesus was returning any minute. So if Paul thought that 2,000 years ago, and he thought that was a healthy lifestyle to live as a Christian, to always be looking for his coming, then I better, 2,000 years later, be looking for his coming. If he thought that was the way for a Christian to live, to always be looking, then I better. And this is what we need to realize, that the Lord is coming soon. Our time, regardless of God's time, is short. I know that we say this all the time, but it's something we should be constantly reminded of, that time is ticking. Can you believe, and when this is heard, it'll be heard five years from now, ten years from now, if we're still here, and they're going to say, wow, can you believe that was ten years ago that he said that, recorded, watch, just like that, just close your eyes and open them. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I just close my eyes and I open them again, and I imagine six months in the future. Now, as crazy as that is, I... I know that I did that this year as things were getting crazy on like July 4th, 2020. And now here we are. It's July 19th, 2020. Seven months. We're, we're almost to our eighth month of 2020. Time is ticking short. You have very little time to do what the Lord has called you to do on this earth. And even if time goes on for a thousand years, right now is so crucial that we prepare this earth, especially this nation that we live in, for this generation and the next generations. When I just, I had that revelation that half of the pilgrims died, really, right? Half of them died. And, and many of those stories are like that, that, you know, the price it takes to bring freedom costs so much blood. And it's because they look ahead. They're not thinking of their own life, but they're thinking of the next generations. They're thinking of, I'm willing to pay a price so that someone else can live. I'm willing, that's what Jesus said the greatest love is, laying your life down for another, right? Laying your life down for the next generations. And that's what we need to realize, that the day of the Lord is coming, and it says it is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. We are in a day of darkness. This is verse 2. It says, it's a day of darkness. It's a day of gloom. It's a day of blackness. There is a darkness upon the earth. There's a darkness coming upon us. But it says, don't just look there, but look in verse 11. 
It says, The Lord is at the head of the column, and he leads them with a shout. This is his mighty army, and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? Verse 12, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now. And that's always his answer. This is always his answer. Yes, there's darkness coming on the earth. Turn to me. Yes, it's unknown what the United States will even be. Come on, that's where we're at. We're literally there. You realize this nation is changing, and we need to look to the Lord right now. I pray that the nation survives, but if it's, if it, even if it doesn't, we will. God will have a people. Amen. Amen. doesn't matter what it's called in the end. It will be God's people. God will take us wherever it needs to be and whatever it needs to be. That's what we need to look and see. That's what we need to know. You look through the 7,000 years of history. Come on, we need to cleave to the Lord. It was people who cleaved to the Lord. If you really go through history, I mean, just follow the story of the Jews. I mean, they're here. They're there. They're around the world. They're back. They're out. They're in. <laughs> I mean, man. But the Lord was faithful to them. If you... Look at one individual family and you look at one individual life, you'd be like, you know, it's hard for me to see all the facets of his faithfulness. But if you look at the grand story, because we've got to look from God's perspective, you see that he was faithful to his promise that he restored them even after 2,000 years of not being a nation, brought them back and made them a nation again because of his faithfulness. And that's really what it always is. Uh, throughout the word and throughout history, it's that Christians, they see the things coming, they see the hopelessness, they see the hurt, they see the brokenness, and we cry out to the Lord for a change. Every single time that a change in the world and a change came for good or evil, Christians began to seek the Lord. And, and God did something in those seasons. God did something with those people. It doesn't mean that the nation that they were in survived, but the people did. Even if he had to bring them out and bring them somewhere else, God's going to protect you. You need to be without fear right now, but you need to get your eyes on Jesus right now. We need to get our eyes on him. And it continues to say, it says, turn to me now while there is time. Turn while there's still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Turn while there's still time. Come and give me your hearts. It says, and this is what the Lord is saying this morning. This is what the Lord is looking for, and I know that we have been already in this place, but I'm going to say it again, and this is what we need to continue right now. We need to it says, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. You may know it as rend your heart and not your garments, verse 13. Rend your heart, tear your hearts, and return to the Lord. Look at this. For he is merciful. Everybody say it out loud. He is merciful. He's compassionate. He's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Come on, God is eager to relent. He's sitting in heaven, and he's looking 
for his church to repent. He's not looking for the church to point their finger at the world and say, you sinners, it's your fault. It's your fault that this is happening to me because of your gross sin. That's not the Bible. What happens is when the world was in turmoil, when there was a drought because of sin, the prophets and the priests, they wept and they fasted and they prayed as if it was their own sin that they physically committed and stood in the gap for the nation that they lived in. That's what the Lord's asking us to do right now. Verse 13, it continues to say, return to the Lord, right? Because he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's slow to get angry. And it says in verse 14, who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve. Sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the peoples, the elders, the children, and even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from a private room. Verse 17, let the priests who minister in the presence stand and weep between the porch and the altar. Let them pray. Spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? Verse 18 says, then the Lord will pity his people and jealousy uh, uh, guard the honor of his land. The Lord will reply, look, I'm sending your grain. I'm sending new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy your needs. You will no longer be an object of mockery among the surrounding nations. It says, rejoice, you people. It says, rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God for the rain he sends. Right? This is the, the latter rain. It demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. Or you may know it as, I will restore to you the years. I will restore to you the years, the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, the sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day that the Lord arrives. But everyone, verse 32, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said, and these will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. I just felt like I needed to read all those verses. Uh, there's some more verses in there, but it's a long chapter. But Joel chapter 2, really, the Lord is speaking in this time. There's many, many things in there, and I don't want to go into all of it just for sake of time. But that the Lord is faithful. Do you see his faithfulness? Do you see his faithfulness? God is faithful, but right now it says that I'm, this is what I want to do. 
I really want to take care of you. I really want to bless you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to judge this nation, but if I must judge it, I must judge it. God is just. Everybody say, God is just, but God is merciful. God looks past his own judgment, and he prefers mercy. If that was not so, he would not have sent his one and only son. Everybody, come on, let's just say it out loud so that we really get it. God's one and only his precious son, just picture your only, your child, picture just if you have many children, one of your children, and he had his only son that was sent, and he let them abuse him. He let the world abuse him, and they still, do you realize they still mock him to this day? Jesus is still mocked. Maybe, maybe he's mocked more today than he was mocked when he was on the cross, Maybe he's, was, maybe he's even mocked more today. And the Lord allows it because of mercy and love. So we cannot say, how can a God who is loving do that? The real question is, how can a God who could judge and should judge doesn't for so long? That's the better statement to say. How come a God who looks at such atrocities, he looks at the world, and this has been coming up this week, he looks at the United States getting more upset about little, tiny, insignificant things and does not blink an eye when we find out uh, groundbreaking, uh, crazy stuff more about this child sex trafficking, uh, pedophilia, sex ring being exposed. And it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Now back to my little, you know, my little insignificant garbage and, and you know, and, and don't, don't skip... Uh, you know, mowing my lawn and, and giving me my paycheck and whatever. The Lord looks past all of that and gives us grace. He looks past the world, but he looks past that. That's the Christians. I wasn't talking about the world. I was talking about the Christians across the United States right now. That's the Christians. And he's like, hey, guys, just so you know, some people have been praying for me to expose some things, and I've been doing it. You need to get behind this. You need to get behind me, get behind my plan. There's still a chance for this nation. There's still a chance for this land. You need to start praying and start fasting and praying more. And you say, I've been praying, I've been fasting, we'll do it some more. This is 911. 911 emergency here. Everything that we know is going to be stripped away from us and lost if we don't grab a hold of it right now. We need to grab a hold of the Lord. The Lord is merciful. His word literally says, I, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to read it again. Go read it in Joel 2. He says it over and over and over again. I want to, what I want to do is I want to give you the rain. I want to give you grain. I want to give you oil. I want to take care of you. I want to love you. That's what I want to do. That's my heart. The Lord's saying today that we need to get our eyes back on him, get our eyes back on Jesus. We need to look to him. We need to trust in him. We need to focus on him. We need to rely on him. We need to look to him, and we need to pray that, Lord, this land is yours. This land is yours, and I live in this land, and I'm a believer, and so this land that I live in, 
is your land because you're with me and I'm with you and we're one. So where I live, the Lord lives. And so there's a, a prophecy, it's in Jeremiah. And he said, pray for the peace of this city and you will have peace. Everybody say, pray for the peace of the city and you will have peace. And you know what that was in direct reference to? Babylon. <laughs> Babylon the Great. I mean, Babylon is literally in the Bible. Babylon is literally a picture of Satan's kingdom. Satan's city. The great Babylon. That's what the Lord's ultimately going to judge. Jezebel and Babylon. And the Lord said, if you will pray for peace, even in Babylon, because you're there. Because you're there. You know, the Lord will have mercy because of us. But we must pray. We must ask him. We must ask him. I don't know if it's just a, a mental thing. You know, it was, it was a, a, a kind of a false preaching that went around for a long time that uh, it, and it's so hard to, to say in words and people will get offended, but that you don't have to do everything because Jesus has done everything. You don't have to do anything because Jesus has done everything. And it's not true. It is true, but it's not true. It's true in the spirit because <laughs> you really can't do anything. But the word is literally filled with telling us things to do. After things to do, things to do. Now, I've said it before. A good father who loves his children, he's going to warn them about the dangers of the world. And a good father is going to tell his daughter, I don't want you going out tonight, right? I don't want you going out late at night. The daughter's going to buck. She's going to fight. She's going to say, Dad's got rules. Meanwhile, the father loves that daughter and knows what happens to girls late at night. So she could look at him with rules or she could look at him with love, that he loves her deeply. And so this, but this, uh, this kind of this mentality came that, Anybody who tries to do anything or tries to work out their salvation, like Paul says, suddenly was legalistic and was in works. And so what happened is people ran so far from that that they ran away from doing anything for God at all. And little by little, you can just see how it crept in, right? It's, oh, I love Jesus. I love the cross, right? Football players started, you know, dropping a knee or they started, you know, doing touchdowns, dedicating them to Jesus. But there was no change in anybody's lifestyle, Nobody was changing. And see, the Bible says that we can come as we are, but you can't stay as you are. <laughs> you can come just as you are. You can't clean yourself up, so don't try. But the moment you come to me, the Bible says we are reborn. What happens to babies? Babies grow. Nicodemus said, Lord, I can't understand it. How can I be born again? How do I go into my mother's womb? And he's like, no, you're going to be, you're not getting it. It's not your human body. It's your spirit. But you realize that your spirit is now a baby and it's going to grow. And what happens with a growing baby? Well, babies do bad stuff. They start learning the boundaries, right? And, and as a good parent, you're not there when you're teaching them the boundaries to be a harsh parent, but you're loving them and you're showing them 
what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. Ultimately, so that when they grow older, so the Bible says, train a child in the way they should go so that when they grow old, right, they will not depart from it. And, and so as a baby grows up, ultimately, they're going to become an adult that has to make the decisions on their own. And hopefully they, were, they listened and listened and listened and listened and made some mistakes and picked up the pieces and made some mistakes, but listened. So ultimately then be an adult that can make the decision without someone telling them that they have to make the decision, right? That's what we want to raise as, as human parents to raise good godly children. That's what God is doing. And this is it. So I said all that to say this. We cannot look at God and just say, well, God's got this. God's got the whole world in his hand. He loves the world, so let him deal with it. Right? This is God's world, so then, you know, he'll work it out. Yes, except that I didn't design it, but the way that God does it is that he placed us as ambassadors. He placed us in this nation. He placed Israel in Babylon to plead for it. I don't understand it, but that's God's way. Everybody say, that's God's way. And what will happen is, if we do not plead for it, it is not automatic. Just look at history. When Israel rejected Jesus, they lost their nation for 2,000 years when they rejected God. That's history. That's not me trying to be dramatic. That's history. We must right now grab a hold of the Lord. I always picture the woman with the issue of blood, how she just reached with every, I just picture her, she had the last ounces of energy. She was done and just touched the hem of his garment. And when I pray, a lot of times I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm cleaving to the hem of your garment. I feel like that's where we're at in prayer. <laughs> You're like, we've done everything else. I don't know what else to do. Lord, how much more are we going to go through? And I grab the hem of his garment and I say, Lord, we need your help. Amen. That's where we're at, and that's what I want us to do. So, Lord Jesus, we're going to do that. I thank you, Lord God, that this church, we're joining with the churches across this nation and across the world, pleading, Lord, for what is happening right now, Lord, and darkness is trying to control and trying to take over. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they're going to fail. Every time they try, they're going to fail. I thank you, Lord, that suddenly uh, even things that have been going on for decades Lord, you've exposed them. Lord, we thank you. This pedophile thing, you're going to keep exposing it. And Lord, the human trafficking, Lord, you, for whatever uh, uh, reason, Lord, you chose us. Lord, I don't know why, but you chose us to be your ambassadors. And Lord, we have decided to listen to you, and we're getting behind you, and we're going to stand in the gap. Lord, we do it financially too, and we do it, Lord God, uh, through, uh, Lord, bringing awareness. But, Lord, ultimately, we need to do it in prayer. We begin to just keep praying, begin to, Lord, get into that place of a deeper prayer to release, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, to release your spirit, Lord, into this nation again. And that darkness that has been controlling things and all of these things that have been going on behind the scenes in Hollywood and in, in Washington, Lord, and all of these secret things that we've been aware of, but we've just maybe turned a blind eye or we don't, I don't know, Lord, but right now I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus that those things get exposed 
get more exposure, more exposure. Lord, you just keep exposing it, and we keep praying for that. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you are a God of mercy and of compassion and of love, and you are long-suffering. And I pray, Lord, for this nation to have that new wine, Lord, to have the oil, to have the grain again, Lord God, that we can we can continue to be a prosperous nation as we have been or were before lord we can it's possible if we will pray i pray for that in the name of jesus amen amen thank you lord